right, let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. We're doing step 2. Last week we did step 1. We're doing step 2 today of how to take a hold of or taking possession of what God has promised us over the years. Promised through His Word, confirmed by prophecy, etc. So the promises that, yes, you, you know that God has spoken to you and somehow you're starting to doubt a little bit because you've been standing at the precipice of victory and promises of God and yet you're never able to really possess it. It's almost like standing over the edge, looking, overlooking, like the people of Israel looking at the promised land and never able to get it. And some of them indeed, they saw the promised land. They were really actually at the precipice of possessing the promised land, but they, they, they couldn't and, and they died in a desert. They, they went back to the desert and died in a desert. And, and, and some of you, God has already given you and released all the blessing and promises to you. He's not going to release, release any more than he's already has. The Word of God in Ephesians chapter 1 says, He already given you all the spiritual blessings. All the blessings is on the table. It's for you, for the taking, and many people are not able to do that. And that's why we do this series, so that you can actually take a hold of it. The blessings and the promises are already released. All you have to figure out is how it is that you can step into that promised land and begin to take a hold of it. And last week's teaching was really powerful. It really blessed me too, you know, and, and I learned from it and I, I walk in it. And I, I just want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to it again. But we're going to do step two is how it is to take a hold of the promises that I have given you in the land, in the promised land. Okay, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand... Before you, Joshua, all the days of your life, what a promise. The word of God said, no weapon formed against us will prosper, and all the words that rise against us falsely shall fall. So people may gossip against you and plotting against you, but you will win. I'm going to declare one more time. You will win. You will win. You will win. You will have victory in life because it's a promise of God. You say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just felt like I've been defeated and been, been overtaken by some of the, from the evils in, in, in the place of my work or the business or whatever. But I want to declare over your life that you may lose a little bit or have a hiccup, but you've won the war because Jesus had won the war and he promised that no weapon formed against you will prosper. They won't prosper. They may look like they prosper for a little bit, but they won't prosper. They will fall. And it's the same thing Moses, uh, sorry, Joshua is being promised by God that all the days of your life, you will not be defeated. Interestingly enough, if you look further down in Joshua, is that they were defeated by AI. And you say, well, that promise is not true. No, it's true. There will be setback and hiccups. You can guarantee that. That's life. But ultimately, you will possess the land. If you obey the word of God and obey his instructions. Anyways, let's move on. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. What God is saying is that, did you watch Moses? Have you had a look at his life? How I have been faithful to him. I will be faithful to you. Do you know it's really important for us to have witnesses in our lives that we can point to and say, if God did it for him, surely he will do for me. 
And the word of God, Hebrews says that we do have a great cloud of witnesses. Those that have been gone, had gone before us. We ought to look to them. We ought to look to Moses, Joshua, and all the great men and women of God in the word of God that has succeeded in walking by faith and become champions and become somebody that God had used to literally change the world. We ought to look to them because they are examples to stir our faith, to affirm to us, to confirm to us that God is good and he's with us and he will ensure of our victory now not only should we look to those cloud of witnesses in bible days we are to also look closer to our time to those cloud of witnesses those witnesses that are more contemporary to our time and our generation generations perhaps similar to our struggles similar to our environment I'm going to talk more about that later on because it is very, very important that we need to have the Moses or the Moses says in our lives because our faith absolutely needs references all the time, especially when it's very, very confusing and very, very disheartening. You try to plug it to some, you know, you try to work at something and not, nothing seems to work. So that's why you want to look at those cloud of witnesses, especially when you're suffering, when you're just, just it's in, in the dark season of your life, if I can say that, you know, the, sh- the, 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 the valley, you know, the valley, you're in the valley and, and you just can't see any sunlight, it's all shadow all around you. And you want to make sure you know those witnesses ahead of you, remind yourself. That's why I love to read books about all the heroes of the past. It really encourages me, not only heroes of the past, but heroes today. I look for books and I, I read books and I, I, I listen to sermons. I listen to some testimonies of some great preachers. There's so many testimonies out there. So many testimonies out there. And you can just get a hold of them and get yourself encouraged. I mean, they're free. You go to YouTube. Uh, let me comment a little bit on YouTube. See, YouTube has many bad stuff. But YouTube also has many good stuff. And I believe the Spirit of God in you will draw you to good stuff. Although I know our flesh sometimes want to draw us to bad stuff, being critical of things, you know. Uh, look at how, you know, um, you know just, just look at all the, 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 the news and the news feed or the fake news, whatever, the, to, to please our flesh. Don't, don't do that. Just go and look for encouragement. Look for good teaching. Go to Willowdale.tv. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, get something to help you, to encourage you. And so I look at lives of pastors and as a pastors, you know, pastors and ministers that had gone before me. I look at their lives and, and I try to learn from them. I learn from their failures. That's very important. Preachers, they don't tell you about their failures. Don't listen to them. So quiet. How can you relate to a perfect preacher's? See, when a preacher is perfect, there's a problem there. Number one, they're faking it because no one is perfect. Number two is that it really discourages you because if you really believe they're perfect, then you look at yourself, you look at yourself and say to yourself, I can never be like that. That couldn't be further from the truth. We are all blessed and under grace. If God could bless them, he could bless me. 
If God can bless so-and-so preacher, evangelist, business people, politician, God can bless me. We're on the grace. But it's important we look to those cloud of witnesses in our lives, both in the days of old, in the Bible days, and also those that are more contemporary to our environment. But specifically, though, who is, not are now, who is your personal Moses? Do you have a Moses in your life? Do you have a Moses that you can learn from, that you can glean from? Who is your Moses this morning? We all need a Moses. If you haven't got one, you need to look for one. Because we are not designed to make it on our own. I'll be quiet. You and I, we're not designed to make it on our own. Especially in the body of Christ, we're designed to lean on one another. And if you want to succeed in a certain areas in your life, then you need a Moses to lean on. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what small group is all about. You need a specific Moses you can lean on. Now watch this. This Moses you lean on is not just going to show up in your life. You just can't hire them. It's like you just can't, you know, it's like they, 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 they are not very easy to come by, but you need to look for those Moses that you can lean on. Joshua was not only the one who has his Moses. Timothy has his Moses called Paul. Elisha had his Moses called Elijah. I can, I can go on forever. These are the people that found their Moses and happy are they. Because when they can learn and glean from things that you've been never see in public, including Facebook. A lot of times we think Facebook tells us everything. No, it's not true. Facebook, each person who posts anything, tells us about their best. The post-edited scripts and, 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 and movie. They don't tell you the pre-edited movie. The behind-the-scenes struggle. So sometimes I think it's not very healthy just to look at Facebook. You need to be connected personally to a person. In relationship but now we're talking about a Moses where is your Moses I found I, I discovered personally in my life and it's true is that each Moses that you want to lean on watch this you should be prepared to serve under Elisha serve under Elijah in other words if you want to grow and glean from somebody you need to learn to just serve under that person's dreams help the person to be to fulfill his commission and as you do this person will pour his life over you and it's not very often people are willing to do that and that's why most people don't have a Moses because most people are not willing to do that it's a hard teaching because it's hard to, to submit. You know, I spoke about that last week. It's hard to serve under. We're in a culture that says, do your own thing, man. Fulfill your own dreams. Go reach for the sky. You don't need anybody. Consequently, we have a lot of people struggling. 
even commit suicide. They try, they try, they try, and it's not working, and they don't know how. It could have had been an, 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 as easy as just change one behavior in their life, but they can't see it, and nobody's telling them because nobody is actually mentoring them. They're not submitting to anybody and serve under anyone. As a pastor, I'll tell you this. I have learned as a pastor that not everybody is available for my, or wanting to hear what I have to say. And when I was younger, I didn't care. I just say. And I guess I got older. I learned from Proverbs. Keep your mouth shut. Only say to those who really you feel like you've been allowed to say something. And consequently, we have a lot of people walking with a lot of blind spots. And they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. And God's grace is that he wants you to succeed. He wants you to possess your promise. And I tell you, some of people, some of the people, they've been struggling. Why is it nobody, nobody want, want to want to have a look at me? Some guy, you know, like don't understand. You know, I I got a good job. I got a good paying job. I got money in my bank, and but no girls like me. They don't understand why. They don't have somebody to say, "Hey, buddy, man." Maybe you should go get some deodorant. <laughs> that might help you. But how many of us would volunteer that to people we don't know? In fact, even people we know. When was the last time you tell a brother in the church you need a deodorant? You just walk away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Talk to you later. And the guy feels like, how come nobody talks to me? But if he had submitted to someone who feel, would feel free to speak into his life, that person would say, hey, brother, the reason is because, you know, it's just deodorant. That really helps. And perhaps take one shower a day. That really helps too. You know, maybe you should comb your hair, you know. Maybe you should do something, you know. But the guy would never know because nobody would ever dare to speak into their lives. They walk around the earth blinded. All the blind spots, they don't know. They, they just say, well, what's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you just got blind spots find your Moses for your life number one find your Moses in areas that you want to succeed in spiritual area financial area that you want to grow in now listen don't just pick up any Tom Dick and Harry I hope there's no Tom Dick or Harry in this church Just any, but if you're one of the Tom, Dick, and Harry, you're the special Tom, Dick, and Harry. Not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry. So, not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry, but pick someone that has succeeded in the area that you want victory in. Listen very carefully. See, as a pastor, I look for those that have succeeded as a pastor in their life. 
I look for those that can tell me about my blind spot and the victory they have, what they have done, how they have failed, how they pick up from their failure, how they can conquer and overcome some of the negative that's in their church. How is it that, you know, there are some churches, that's in, it's pretty amazing. After, after, after you've been a pastor a while and your church grows a certain size, everybody wants to be your apostle. They want, they, they want me to submit to them. They say, I'm apostle so-and-so. They even have business card. They want, they want me to submit to them. Oh, you know, I'm pastoring the city. Oh, give me a break. I'm pastoring the city too. And so they want somebody to submit, some pastor to submit to them. I will tell you this. It's not about pride. I will not submit to a pastor that have not achieved anything in their life. I will not submit to a pastor that have not done better than me, had gone before me. Are you here this morning? It's so quiet. If I want to be a successful pastor, I will lean on those who have succeeded. I look at their lives. They succeeded as a pastor, as a husband, as a friend, as a brother. They've succeeded. They've handled themselves well. And they have conquered all the struggles in their life. They've overcome all the struggles in their life. And they, 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 they have learned how to handle failures. And when they have failed, they learn how to handle them. Those are the people that I want to attach myself to. And I want to listen to what they have to say. I pick and choose who I lean on, not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry. Same thing as my finances. Some of the many pastors that I really respect as a pastor, I would not ask them for financial advice at all. I love them, I honor them, they have amazing anointing. And I have leaned on them. I have grown a lot from them. But as far as finances is concerned, they haven't made it yet. So who do I lean on? I lean on people with amazing wisdom in their finances. I lean on those people that have succeeded to become multi-millionaire. I have those people in my life, you see. I learn from them. I learned from them how, I man- how to manage my finances. Who is your Moses in the life that you have today? Who is your Moses in your spiritual walk with the Lord that can freely speak into your life? Have you had pastor, have met pastors that were freely speak, spoken into your life? If you haven't, maybe because they don't feel comfortable. The reason they don't feel comfortable is because you haven't made them feel comfortable to freely speak in your life. We always need positive criticism. Positive, not negative. People that come to you with negative criticism, you know, a lot of people come to me about judging and criticize other people and whatever. I just don't like that. And in fact, I tell my staff, you know, then there's a problem, don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with a solution. If you're looking for me to solve the problem, then you're not the right guy I've hired. I need you to tell me the problem, and then I need you to tell me my solution. Positive criticism means that somebody wants to criticize you because they want you to be better. Not so that they can shut you down and that they can look better. 
There are people who criticize other people so that they can feel better about themselves. But there's a saying, you cannot, your candle cannot be any brighter by snuffing out somebody else's candle. Who is the Moses in your ministry? Who is the Moses in your spiritual walk? Who is your Moses in your finances? Who is your Moses in your marriage? Who is your Moses in your relationship? Do you have one? They say that one of the traits of very successful people on this earth, the one percenters, one of the common traits of one percenter is that they always learn new things. They always have open ideas, open mind to get new ideas into their life in different aspects of their life. They never stop learning till the day they breathe their last breath. People that don't succeed is because they always think to themselves, I got it. I've learned. You can't add anything to me. Nobody can. You know, I learn not only from older people. I'm actually learning from younger people. I'm open-minded to learn from younger people. My, my Moses in my fashion is from younger people. You didn't get that. Are you, are you here this morning? I have to be humble. I have to look at Pastor Young's wardrobe and say, okay, I can learn from that. Rather than so proud and say, you know, he's, he's, that's for young men. You know. No, man. My wife sometimes tells me I try too hard to be young. <laughs> find a Moses means find those who have succeeded in areas that you want to grow. They have fruits to show. Fruits that are more and better than your own. We're talking about witnesses now, not hearsayer. A lot of people can give opinions formulate opinions and give opinions about what they've heard but look at their life what's the fruits in their life then i will learn from them if they're pastors i want to see how they've succeeded as a pastor in the church for me as a pastor i look for those in the city not only learn from those who are older than me but i learn from some of the younger ones in the city that had succeeded doing better than I do. I buy them lunch, glory to God. I do. I buy them lunch because food is the best way to get to a guy. It's like, hi, want to have some authentic Asian food, you know? They always fall for that. Yes, let's go. Then I will sit there and I will glean from them. I will ask them questions. They may not even know I'm asking them questions. I was like, how do you do this? You know, what do you do when you, when you discourage? I, I know a pastor, he's doing really well in the city. He's 10 years, well, maybe not 10 years, six years, at least six years younger than me. And in the old days, I'll go, what do you have to show me? But I've learned this. There are many people I can learn from. There are many people that can speak into my life. I will only allow those who have succeeded in their field and the area that I want to improve in to speak into that area of my life.
So there's always not just one Moses, many Moseses in my life. Step number three. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Now let's stop here. We know that the Word of God says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. We all know about that. But I want you and I to be reminded that we have to make a decision. It's a decision. It's not your feeling. It's a decision that you are going to be courageous. You are going to be strong. You have to make the decision constantly. Sometimes you feel like, I don't, I don't feel strong. Well, honey, get up. You make the decision how you're going to feel. Because the environment and what we see and what we experience will always tell us worse than what it is. And our mind will always play tricks to us and tell us worse than what it is. The, the devil always plays tricks in our mind. And always make it worse than what it is. So you and I have to make a decision up front. We need to be courageous. Okay, we need to be strong and be courageous in the Lord. I remember when I first started this church. Sometimes, you know, we have more people on the stage than people down the stage. You know, during worship time, it's only us worship team and nobody. We're singing to the chair. Are you here this morning? And then the devil constantly mocked me. It's like, God never called you. You never called to do this. Otherwise, people will be just jamming this room. You know, just quit, man. Follow the ten. Go home. You're making all this up. Just, just forget it. And you know, I, I, I listen and it just disturbs me and I'll, I'll lose my sleep and I'll, I'll, I'll just brush up my resume again trying to, you know, go look for a job, this sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. But I have to make a decision and I did. I made a decision ahead of time because I heard many mentors told me there'll be days, there'll be more people on the stage than people that are listening to you guys. Okay. When I heard that, I thought to myself, not me, man, only you, not me. But when I went and when I get to the same place, I remember what they say. I took courage in them. These people would not have told me that if they were not my Moses. But anyways, I had to make a decision up front. I will be courageous. I'll be strong. Some of you are going to go to work on Monday. You're not too sure. You need to make a decision up front. You're going to be courageous. You're going to be strong. You're going to encourage yourself. Because why? Because the terrain that you're going to, the places you're going to, you're going to the places that you're going to conquer new territories, is unfamiliar, it's uncertain, and you will have opposition. If you don't make a decision up front, you will surely fall and get discouraged. So make a decision up front. Back to verse 5. God said to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you in the days of your life. And God said this, I'm going to show you how you can get courageous and in your, in your time of opposition and uncertainty. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fear or forsake you. One reason why we need the Moses in life is that we can look to them when we fail, when we fail in opposition. They are the one that give us courage. Their life is the one that give us strength. Their life is the one that give us hope, you know, when we're failing. And that's why you need your Moses. To help you to make a decision up front. I will be courageous. I will not fail. I will not give up. In spite of familiarity and uncertainty. Step four. Follow God's instructions from your mentors or heroes. Go to Joshua again, chapter 1, verse 7. Only you be strong and be courageous. 
that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Interestingly enough, God didn't say, do all the law that I am commanding you. This is a big difference now. Do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn up from it to the right, the hand or the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. And verse 8, I memorized this as a young man. I still can remember most of it. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth or your mouth. When I memorize it, I put it into my own personal words. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but I shall meditate thereon day and night. I memorize it in King James. That's why it's in King James now. That you mayeth observeth, mayest observeth, and do according to all that is written in it. For which and for you, for then you shall make your way prosperous, then you shall deal wisely and have good success. This book of the law. Now, before I talk about the book of the law, it's 12 o'clock now, so I'm going to go real quick. The first thing is, before you start doing anything, the Word of God says that you have to meditate whatever instructions that you're going to receive, and including the Word of God. You need to meditate day and night. Why is that important? Because meditation will do two things. Number one is that it will help you to internalize what has been given to you as an instruction. Because unless it's internalized, unless you have a revelation from it, you are doing it mechanically and you're doing it as a religion. Until it's internalized in your system and it's part of you, then you're not doing it mechanically. You're doing it by faith. You're doing it out of your spirit. And that's why you have to meditate it day and night. Don't just take any rules and laws and just try to follow it. You are not trying to build a television or build a television stand looking at instruction from Ikea. You know, it's instruction from Ikea. You just look at it once. Once it's all put up, you just can just throw it away and burn those instructions. You don't need them anymore. That's why you don't have to meditate there on day at night. You don't have to internalize it. But for life itself, you know the Bible is a life manual. It teaches you how to live life well. You internalize it. What you hear, what you receive, what you read, internalize it. How do you do that? You meditate on it day and night. Day and night. Don't even bother to try to observe it until you meditate it first day and night. Once you internalize it, then you observe it. Because when you observe it, the Bible said that you may be careful. In other words, diligently. Don't just take something and observe it halfway. It's like, you know, when I try to build furniture from Ikea, you know, men, right? We hate to read instruction. We're just trying to figure it out ourselves. And after we put all things together, five screws and a couple of nuts are still around. And we say to ourselves, maybe it's just extra, you know. <laughs> Next thing you know, the whole thing just fell apart. TV's broken. And we blame poor Ikea, you know. They're having a terrible product. We go online and just trash them, you know. But we never followed instruction in the first place. Men usually like that. We're not into details. We're just like, you know, visionary people, right? Shaka. But the Word of God says that you need to observe it diligently. Observe it carefully to do according to all, not some all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. You want to prosper in your way? You meditate on the Word of God until you internalize it. Don't do it until you internalize it. In other words, until you have the faith for it. 
Some of us are following rules, you know. We, we do things, you know, pastors say this, okay, we, okay we're just going to follow it mechanically. And we see nothing. It's like, ooh, it's not true. Well, it's true, but you're not doing it by faith. How can you do it by faith by just following mechanically? The only way you can do it by faith is to internalize it. Meditate thereon day and night. Day and night. Day and night. There are scriptures that I have been meditating for 20 years to have unguarded. So I'm not doing any of those yet. I tried, didn't work. But there are ones that I have revelation on, like the communion business. Remember the testimony I had last week? I had communion for all my life. There has been zero miracle out of it. Zero. Until the experience I shared with you last week. Why? Because the experience I shared with you last week was done out of faith, not mechanically. That people have been going to church forever, you know. They have zero fruit to show for. Why? Because it's a mechanical thing for them. It's a religious thing for them. Until you internalize it and have faith for it. Shandai. So quiet. Y'all still love me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Religious thinking is this. If I can please God then he'll bless me. Right? That's why we mechanically follow God. If I can just do this, then he'll, be, he'll bless me. He'll be, he'll be like, oh, you're so good. You know, I'm just going to give you more so of blessing this morning, you know. It's like treating us like a puppy. You know how you, you treat puppy, right? Just behavioral training, whatever, right? It's like, dog sit. Hmm, okay, here. I mean, you think yourself as a puppy, but God think of, but God think of you as a child. He doesn't treat you that way. You don't have to please. He loves you already. He loves you from eternity to eternity. That's why he sent his son and died for you. There's nothing more for you to do to gain more of his love. He loves you already. To do things so that you can please God, that he can bless you is a lie. Ephesians says that he had given you all spiritual blessings. It's always there. So what's the difference? The difference is that you're not doing mechanically try to please God. That's religious thinking. Truth and grace says this. He already loves you and had given you all that he could give and shown you the way to take a hold of the gifts. All you need to do is to follow what he says. Joshua 1 8. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. In other words, I'll declare it. I'll proclaim it. I'll talk to myself about it. And I'll just believe in God for it. That he said, I'm saved. He said, I'm filled. He said, I'm forgiven. I declare it over my life. And I shall meditate thereof day and night. And so I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about how my father loves me. I'm going to think about how he had blessed me. I'm going to think about how he had forgiven me. I'm going to think about how he healed me. I'm going to keep thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm going to do exactly what he said. Not just some, just a little bit, not pick and choose. Oh, next week I got a good one for you. I'm going to tell you about the 613 laws. And don't get confused on that. And just hold your horse. You come back next week. I'll tell you some amazing revelation. But listen, Whatever God has given you through your Moses, through their word, confirm my prophecy. You follow it diligently. You meditate it day and night. And you think about it. Use your mind to just have it internalize it in your system. And follow it and declare it. Then you will succeed. Worship them. Come on up. 
I want to encourage this congregation. In order, for, some of you already have possession all ready for you. You just don't know how to get to it. You like some men, you know, just don't know how to build that complicated furniture, and you try to do it yourself, and it doesn't work. It falls apart. You get frustrated with IKEA when the fact is you should be frustrated with yourself because you didn't follow the instruction diligently. 